0: Morning, fellas. Welcome to Man Challenge. Come on in and grab a seat. We're going to get rolling here. Hey, it's good to see you guys. I saw some of you just a few hours ago, it feels like. Um, hey, we got any uh, first-time guys here today? Hey, welcome, guys. Yeah, welcome. And for all you returning guys, welcome as well. Hey, Man Challenge, it's, it's a men's environment. This is a tool. Uh, for us to connect, get connected with Jesus and other dudes. And so you're in good company, regardless if you came in here having no clue what this environment's about. But um, we're excited. W- what's We're trying to accomplish a couple things here through Man Challenge. Uh, we're focusing on the word develop. We're trying to develop a next step of faith, uh, because when we, we charge after Jesus, there's always a next step of faith not to prove our love or prove our worth or, or convince him to love us more. He settled that on the cross two years, 2,000 years ago, but his love language is surrendered obedience. And so that's what he's calling us to, he's calling us higher. So um, we're excited to help all of us develop a next step of faith. Another one is a heart to invest in others that includes serving, but it's not limited to. A third value that we're charging after and man challenges help us develop that is developing intentional, authentic male relationships. Fellas, uh, with what I get to do here, which is a privilege, I get to to meet with a lot of you guys and, and beyond in the course of any given week or year, month. And what I've observed is, this is an observation, not an indictment, is there are so many of us, I can be guilty of this too. That we've never been more networked and connected as a society before, but how many um, guys don't have one dude, much less a table of dudes, who they've become fully known to, who like truly know, uh, truly know their their strengths, but also um, their junk, and it's not to to uh, have dirt on each other. You know, Jesus tells us in James 5:16. Uh, or were instructed in James 5:16, confess your your sins to one another, and it doesn't say so you can have dirt on each other. No, it says so you can, so you can be healed. Um, and so, I don't know what you walked in here with today, um, but I know uh, I know it's not rainbows and butterflies for most. And so, man, I just want to charge us to man, what is that one thing this morning? whether this is your first time or or you've been here for a decade or more, what's that one thing that's keeping your men from becoming you becoming fully known to them, whether it has specific to do with with our teaching this morning or just something that you came in here with heavy? Questions are great helpers, but, guys, it's about becoming fully known um, because it's about progress, not perfection. We all need encouragement. Um, even in our blow it moments, we also, we also need accountability to not just keep coming in here every week, you know, um, sharing the same struggle. Um, but you're in good company. If you walked in here heavy, if you walked in here with struggles, if you walked in here like, man, if I shared this with these guys, they, they, they'd boot me out of the table. Um, that's just not true. There's no perfect dudes allowed here. And then there's a fourth um, that, that really helps with all of these others. A fourth value we're charging after, and that is developing competence and confidence in who Jesus is. Fellas, listen. Um, there, there is nobody in this room. There's nobody that's ever preached from our stage, Kyle included, who just popped out, popped out of their mom. Bible ninjas, you know, knowing the word. Like, whoever you look at, and be like, man, that guy might be the exception. There was a day, you know, I, I, I always helpful to go be like, man, what was the first day? There was a first day when Sam Reader said, you know what? I don't know this Bible that I say I believe in, and I'm opening it up for a first time. There's a first day for Chris Burke to hop in the tub and say, man, I'm going to start reading my Bible. <laughs> Bible and bubbles, Bible and bubble bath, you know, that's, that's the wave of the future. Takeaway for that is wherever you need, you know, if it's, if it's studying Second John while you're on the John, whatever it takes, man. Uh, we're called to be men of the Word. Man, I better stick to my notes here. One of the things celebrating guys with their next step of faith, and we have, we have these are just a few that I know about. Uh, Les Lala, I think he's three, three tables deep back there had the privilege of baptizing his twin boys two Sundays ago. We celebrate that. Don Temple, where you at? That dude, you're not saying I'm pretty confident you're wearing stretchy pants. He retired last Friday after how many decades? 14, 14 decades. Welcome to Man Challenge, Methuselah. (laughs) I was talking to Don uh, last Thursday. I I got mixed up. I thought last Thursday was the last day. And I I said, Don, I said, and and he was talking about, you know, really trying to figure out what's next in in this next season. I said, Don, what, what makes you come alive? And man, you've been married how long? How many years? Five years to Debbie, and he said, "Man, Debbie makes me come alive." And everything about what excites him most about retiring had to do with being able to do all these next steps with Debbie. And I thought, "Man, we celebrate that, you know, uh, on golf courses. It's easy to dog your wife and, and get caught in that stuff." Um, but man, that dude's like, "Man, I'm a, I'm excited to spend more time with my wife in this next season." So we celebrate that. Speaking of marriage and faithful marriage. Uh, Daniel Steele, you in the house? Dude got engaged two weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. Awesome, man. We celebrate that. We celebrate that. That's really exciting. And then David McCall uh, got baptized after Man Challenge last Thursday. Proud of you, man. That's really awesome. All right, that's all I got. Let's bring out today's teacher, Chris Burke, let's welcome him here. Oh, put me in code. I'm ready to play. Calgon, take me away, brother. All right. Man challenge minute. Sometimes, you know, just gets warmed up, get get get, get to know our, our teacher this morning a little better. What you played baseball for, for a bit uh, in the big league. What was your most significant moment in baseball on the field?
1: Um, well, I, I'm going to answer this a little differently than maybe some people think I might. I, I, I My two favorite memories on the field were both happened with me on first base. When I was in college, um, we were playing East Carolina in the Super Regional, and uh, I hit first, and our, our, they, had, they had walked me a couple times, and our two-hole hitter just decided he didn't want to swing the bat much that day, and so he and I were about to, get to know each other really well. I was really frustrated with him. For some reason, he was not pulling the trigger. And on an 0-2 count in the bottom of the eighth in game two of the Super Regional with the bases loaded, he hit a grand slam to put us up. Um, I think he broke a 1-1 tie to make it 5-1. And I remember rounding the now My first two years at Tennessee, we didn't even make the tournament. And I remember rounding the bases going, we're going to the College World Series. Like, it was – I just got goosebumps telling you. Like, it was like – it was just – and then, you know, you go from wanting to strangle your teammate to, like, wanting to kiss him on the lip, so it was, uh, that was fun, and then, and then in, and now, as a college broadcaster, like, I'm so grateful we went to the College World Series, because it's, um, you know, a big part of, of my career to be able to speak in the first person about about that event, um, and then in the major leagues, similar situation, I got a, I came up to bat with two outs, and a runner on, uh, Craig Biggio was on first base, and I got a I had like an eight-pitch at bat that wasn't exactly a work of art, but it ended in a base hit off Chris Carpenter, and we were down uh, two to one. And uh, I grounded out in a bat, got a knock, and Berkman hit the first pitch out to put us up four to two. And I remember rounding the bases going, we're going to the World Series. Now, you Cardinals fans know that the next part of that story is Poole set a three-run homer in the top of the ninth. And uh, we actually didn't end up going to the World Series that day. We won the next game. But – if you just say, what are two snapshots in time you, you would like to go back and revisit, mm-hmm. I, would, I would say those two moments.
0: Which most significant moment in baseball
1: off the field? So during my career, but off the field. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to tell a little bit about this today, but a guy by the name of Anthony Acevedo asked me once if I'd ever read the Gospels. No, I haven't. And that kind of started my journey of putting my nose in God's Word. So, yeah,
0: that's awesome. Favorite movie?
1: <clears throat> my favorite movie. Um, not much of a movie guy. Uh, All right, yeah, we'll call an audible. Favorite scent of bubble bath? <laughs> I'm not much of a bubble guy, uh, so I can't answer. But I will say this forgive, forgive the language of the movie I'm about to say, but one of my favorite movies is Goodwill Hunting. It's a good one. So,
0: Good one. Favorite book in the Bible?
1: Um, I'll go with Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Just the historicity of it really fascinates me. Favorite character in the Bible, besides Jesus? Um, I'd say I'd say Peter. And why? Just insanely flawed, but like knows how to knows how to take a professional strikeout. Um, <laughs> I have this I, I have this term, you, you, I've told this story to Ronnie, like, when you're in the big leagues, you're basically a professional outmaker, you know, you, you get out all the time, and you just celebrate the, the times where you get hits, and so, you, you unfortunately strike out a fair amount, today's world even more so, and so you kind of learn how to strike out professionally, if that makes, does that make sense, what I'm saying? So, like, if you watch a big league game, some of these guys, will. you can tell they get caught guessing, and they'll just... Like, they won't argue that he won, you know? So we used to rate guys at how well they took their strikeout looking. And this is some of the stuff we get into. That was, dude, that dude just, that was a pro. That was a pro strikeout. And so especially if you do it for the third out, guys will get buckled on a break, and they'll rip their helmet, they'll rip their bat, and walk off like as cool as a cat. And so I tried to get better at my strikeout lookings. Um... And one time I was complimented on that, and I felt pretty good about it. Like I struck out with two guys on and two outs, and that's not a good thing, but I wore it like a champ. And so, um, you know, Peter, I feel like was he, he you know he struck out looking a few times in the Gospels mm. that we saw, and I uh, feel like he wore it like a pro and mm. I've, kept taking I've, his next
0: at-bat. I've been blessed to witness you have some major league strikeouts <laughs> yes, in, in husband and parenting <laughs> world. This dude blessed me on my birthday, took me out, spoiled me, and we both – uh, did something really dumb that we would not advise. We both were like, man, we don't get to connect. Let's, let's, let's turn our phones on. Do not
1: disturb. Yeah. And um, I was really proud of myself. I took my watch off. Oh, man. Turned my phone off. And Of all times. I turned my phone over. It wasn't completely off. Yeah, but I
0: was, of all times, Sarah had crazy car trouble and, like, battery. And, <laughs> and he finally picked out his phone and he goes, oh, man, I need to take this. There was, like, eight missed calls. <laughs> and stuff, and, and I oh, heard, we're on like the
1: 13th hole, just having
0: a great time, I, and then his mother-in-law's trying to get a hold of him, and, and um, I remember, I, I, I'm coming off the, the green, and, and I hear, like, babe, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and I hear, well, that's not good enough, and I was like, I'll meet you at the next <laughs> hole, <laughs> but that was a professional strikeout, I got like, in the car,
1: like, I think you had just asked me something like, uh, you'd ask me something like really spiritually meaningful, like, man, What's, what's sharpening you these days or something like that? And Sarah <laughs> called and that happened. And I said, well, you want to know what's sharpening me these days? <laughs> like, whew, I got to learn how to wear it. Sometimes. But I
0: really did learn because you did. You did well, honey, like I was trying, like, because you could have said, honey, this was your idea for me to take Ronnie out, mm-hmm. bec- which is true. So professional strikeout.
1: Hey, sometimes you just got to wear it. Um,
0: all right, if you, could, if you could draw a man challenge to all of us dudes in the room and know. We'd, we'd say, we're in, non-negotiable, what would it be?
1: Uh, I think I talked about it last week. I would read The Case for Christ, mm. at least trouble.
0: Okay. It's on audiobooks, Challenge. too. All right, so one of the things we talk about, there's no perfect dudes allowed here, but we also are pursuing being men who are distinct, as, as marked as distinctly different. Um, not superior but different and so one of the things that's important to us is any any dude with the gift of teaching up here that we put up here we want to make sure that you guys know like we're not just putting some some eloquent teacher that their kids are wearing name tags at home and and mistreating their wife and things like that and so reached out to your family sarah asked her i said what's your favorite thing about chris she said one of my favorite things about chris is that uh, comes home every day in a great mood and always happy to see us he has a very joyful spirit mm-hmm. Sydney who's 14 said I love how every night he walks me upstairs to my room tucks me in like a little girl and goes through my day with me even though he's tired from his day mm-hmm. Jackson 12 he helps me with my struggles and sports and encourages me in the good stuff Eli 10 he coaches me and he is very encouraging Lucas 7 he's very kind Connor, four, I love him because he gives me lovins. <laughs> That's a good one. Then I asked, how are you seeing, um, as Sarah, how are you you seeing Jesus' image um, through, your, through your husband? And she said, and how he has a genuine desire to see people do their best in life, and he's willing to personally sacrifice to help them get there. And when they do, nobody is more happy for them than he. Sydney's answer. I always thought if, if it wasn't for the whole baseball thing, my dad would be the best Bible teacher. He really simplifies some of the complicated verses and doesn't treat me with, child, with like a child. We go through real-life scenarios and how to, how to best handle them in a Christ-like manner. Jackson, we walk through a lot of scriptures and pray together every night. Eli, he's taught us that there's nobody tougher than Jesus and we should try to be tough like him. Lucas, he goes to church every week. He goes to man challenge every week, and he's always talking church in the mornings. There's a laughy, there's a laughy face after that okay. one, so Lucas is already texting. Uh And Connor, <laughs> he teaches me about Joshua. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Father, thank you for this man. I thank you for his authentic faith and his intentional pursuit of making the Lord of his life. Thank you for the gift of teaching you, through your grace, are entrusting him with, and I pray that you would use him to tee up your truth in a way that allows us to unpack um, what is most true about us in ways that allow you to mold us today, more precisely, into your son Jesus' image. I give you praise for it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Ronnie. Thank you. Uh, good morning, men. Good to be with you all. Um, we have a pastor that is incredibly encouraging. So, grateful for you, Ronnie, appreciate that. Um, thank you. Uh, okay, men, uh, we're in Second Timothy, um, the first chapter. We've been talking a lot about discipleship. We've been talking a lot about being a disciple, being a disciple maker. I don't know about you guys, but those terms have always sound kind of churchy to me. If I'm being honest, I've always kind of, um, I don't know, maybe not walked into those terms as much, not necessarily the calling of those terms, but the terms themselves. Ronnie mentioned, um, I used to play baseball, now I broadcast baseball, and it's amazing how many disciple makers blast you on Twitter. It's pretty crazy. Uh, So uh, I have a buddy that I do a bunch of games with, and we probably shouldn't, but we kind of both get a kick out of it. During games, we... Some of you guys know this about me. uh, Check my phone, respond to text. Um, Baseball's a slow game. We get a lot of breaks. And uh, sometimes you'll check Twitter, and I'll be honest with you, you actually get some good feedback. Like, hey, so-and-so's name's actually pronounced like this, or you said he was from here and he's actually from there, and I can't believe you're such a Vanderbilt fan. That's actually happened to me by a Tennessee fan. Um, It's crazy stuff you read on Twitter, but usually the ugliest stuff, I say usually, I, I promise you this is a high percentage, some of the ugliest stuff you get You'll click on the dude's profile, and it's like, disciple of Christ. (laughs) This dude just called me, what? Because I said so-and-so was good? Like, that's that's an interesting characteristic of a disciple of Christ. But uh, it's funny how um, people that maybe aren't in the church view us through the the tags we claim, and if I'm being honest, um, sometimes those real churchy, religious-sounding terms um, don't fit well with my flesh. I don't know if you guys um, uh, agree with that or feel me on that, but so we're, we're spending this whole semester talking about being a disciple and a disciple maker, and like I have to just kind of like um, just, just just say yes, raise my hand, like I'm a disciple, I'm, I love the Lord, he's uh, my Lord, my Savior, like I'm, I'm striving to um, emulate his character, and I know I've been called to be a disciple maker. Uh, and if we're honest, like once we've agreed to follow something, usually most of us have enough passion where we're kind of trying to bring people along into something we're following. We got Ohio State fan here. We got a Braves fan here, right? Pretty uh, most of us are pretty good at making disciples of like the teams we cheer for. I got a bunch of kids, poor kids, running around in orange, and they're hoping one day they can understand why I'm such a big fan. Uh, Maybe we're getting back to that. But, you know, a lot of you guys have discipled people in things that you don't even realize you're discipling people in. So, as we talk about what are the priorities, the patterns of disciples uh, and disciple makers, I hope that we all realize, like, we all have an influence. We all are able to share that influence. Some may be more gifted at certain areas of it than others, but all of us have an influence. All of us are being discipled and are discipling others, whether we've raised our hand in agreement with that or not. Like, you are being discipled. we got to ask ourselves, what's discipling us? And you are discipling somebody. You might be discipling a lot of somebodies. Uh, so today we're going to kind of talk about the patterns of uh, being a disciple, some healthy patterns. Chris, uh, Chris Morgan kind of tipped that off for us in week one. Uh, Ronnie was talking about the, the priority of prayer in week two. Uh, last week, I uh, love, is Terrence here today? Terrence uh, taught us a, about some of the healthy principles of discipleship. He also taught us about triple cheeseburgers and protecting the quarterback. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I really registered with that. Um, and so uh, today we're going to be talking about patterns, patterns of disciples. So um, let's get into the end of the word. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, um, and I'll, I'll read through it. What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygellus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my change. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. So um, we got this passage of scripture, which, man, is really, really rich. And one of the things, you know, one of the priorities here at Man Challenge, trying to be confident and competent in who Jesus was. Um, And to me, one of the ways that we grow in our confidence and our competence is realizing the deep well that God's word is and uh, falling in love with the layers of God's word and how, a passage you could easily wash over or brush over as you're reading through it can, can really uh, make an impact when you, when you dive into it, when you study it, maybe when you get under the covers. So this, this concept in verse 13, uh, I'll read that again. What you have heard from me, keep as a pattern, keep as a pattern of sound teaching. I was fortunate, I, I talked a little bit about it when Ronnie was asking me some questions, as a young man... I decided I was raised by godly parents, uh, I was modeled church attendance, I was modeled faith, I was modeled uh, Christian principles. But when I went off to college and I was on my own, like many of you guys have a similar story, I was forced to make a decision on my own and I decided, yes, I believe in Jesus, I'm gonna follow Jesus, a pastor with athlete in action, Dave Tegular, pointed me in that direction. But for the most part, I was really just kinda chasing baseball. Like I believed in Jesus, but I was really just chasing after baseball. I wasn't really doing anything Set apart or acting in a manner at all worthy of the gospel, other than working hard. And I'd like to think I was nice to people, you know, some, some kind of uh, cultural, nice moral characteristics. But I really wasn't, I didn't have my nose in the word. I really wasn't chasing after the Lord. And I was fortunate uh, in those early years, in my early 20s, once I got drafted and went off to Pro Bowl, to be discipled by some men um, that showed me healthy patterns. So today we're just going to talk a little bit about that word. Uh, sound patterns, talking about what are those patterns, and maybe investigate, hopefully in our table time, uh, how we're doing with these sound patterns. Um, So three patterns that I've recognized in disciples of Christ. At a young age, I recognized these patterns, that I certainly tried to emulate these patterns still to this day. And the older I've gotten, and the more men that I've met that I find are in love with the Lord and chasing after the Lord, the more these patterns continue to become very clear, uh, and these patterns don't change. They're the same yesterday, today, they'll be the same tomorrow uh, for those that are, that are chasing after the Lord. Number one, God's word is their authority. So I told you a little bit about my buddy, Anthony Acevedo. We were teammates in AA, and I had been the chaplain, I was called the team chaplain, uh, mostly because I went to chapel the year before and I was spending my second year in A. You don't want to go to the same level two years in a row, but I didn't play that great the year before. So I was back in AA. So the chaplain, the actual chaplain, asked me to be the team chaplain. And I said yes, and it was all good. But Ace was actually the most spiritually mature guy on the team. It wasn't even close. And the more I spent time with his dude, he and I were roommates on the road. The more I spent time with him, the more I realized that guy has something I don't. He has maturity. He has a depth. He has a wisdom about him that I don't. And his strikeout lookings are a lot better than mine. And I, I'd like to do better at that. And I remember asking him one day, man, I'm still stubbing my toe with this and this and this. Where, like, where have you, how have you been able to overcome those things? He's like, let me ask you, him, you ever read the Gospels? No. Start there. And it was, you talk about just simple and powerful. He didn't give me a sermon. He didn't tell me all the ways I'd disappointed the role of being a chaplain. He's just like, how about you read the Gospels? How about you get to know this dude, Jesus, that you say you follow? And um, Ronnie already told you, so I'll boldly proclaim it here. I started reading the Gospels in the tub every morning. Okay? So uh, you talk about discipleship. My dad, every morning, reads the paper in the tub. So... Uh, that, I guess that's where I got that from. Like, if you're going to have quiet reading time, go to the tub. Uh, and what's funny is, talking about discipleship, my boys love to take baths, and my, my 10-year-old Eli reads in the bath. It's, it's, uh, it's a Burke thing, I guess. But you blame my dad. So uh, I read the guy, 23 years old. 23 years old, I'm in double A, and I'm, it's just me, <clears throat> and it wasn't this Bible, but me and the Bible, and... Interacting with the living God face-to-face and figuring out what this whole deal Christianity is actually about. Not from another dude, not from a podcast, not from some fancy speaker, but like me and the Lord, my nose in the Word. And the pattern of disciples is that they prioritize God's Word, and that is their authority. I don't know. Let me, what does Scripture say about that? What does Scripture I don't care how fancy or good or articulate or charismatic a speaker is. Whatever they say, measure it against God's word. Business guru, coach, self-help guy, measure it against God's word. And I was, as I was a young man around a lot of really successful dudes, uh, a big league teammate of mine modeled this so well, and I can remember our plane rides, these incredibly deep spiritual conversations that you probably wouldn't attribute with athletes on a charter plane and i can just remember lance berkman like it was yesterday going bro you got this all wrong that's not my opinion that's what the bible says like you i didn't make it up it's it's in romans it's in matthew it's in first corinthians like this they were going back and forth on eternity and this that and the other and it's like don't shoot the messenger dude that's what the bible says and, and as a young man, that was extremely edifying, like, yeah, I don't need to make this thing up, like, it's, God's passed it down to me. The second pattern, sound pattern, of, uh, that I've observed and that I was modeled is uh, disciples are actively involved in their church. And oddly enough, in the big leagues, I got to play with a man named Andy Pettit, who lived in Houston, and so his church home was in our hometown, and his in-laws ran the church. You might say, well, no wonder he was actively involved. His father-in-law was pastor. But you can imagine in the middle of a major league season, like, most people kind of go into a, a bubble, like, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to mess with you. Last thing I want to do is be at church, and somebody come up and ask me why I threw a breaking ball instead of a fastball and a one-two count. You know what I'm saying? Andy was in church more than most people are their whole life during the season. He, he was... If if he had a chance, he was taking his kids there. He was there on a Sunday night. If we had a Sunday night game, he was he was there on a Sunday morning. And the more I was around him and got to spend time with him, the more I was blown away by how active he was in the church. He was a deacon in the church. Like he he helped set it up on Sunday mornings. He was uh, incredibly involved in, like, just the little things of the church. And then when I would spend time with him, his buddies were the dudes from the church. Like, just, just. Factory workers and and teachers and and guys that like were just normal ordinary dudes and here is Andy Pettit, five-time world champion, making 15 million bucks a year, one of the not one of the winningest pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball postseason, and man, he just helping out at church. He just, how can I use my gifts to help at church? And this is what Pastor Dunn taught us last week, and this is what, this is the, this is the book of the Bible we're going through, and you're just like looking at this dude like like this is real this is this is this is uh genuine this is what fills you up this is what you're being called to and so uh, i don't want to go through these without giving you scripture to back them up uh the the first pattern just we'll get into this actually in a few weeks but second timothy three sixteen. um if you read through romans 12 it's all about the body of christ and how we're all different and how we're all called to serve and be part of the body of christ and Andy certainly represented that pattern very well for me. And number three, and again, I, there's, this is not an exhaustive list, but these are just patterns of men who are chasing after the Lord, who love the Lord, who are following the Lord, things I recognize in their life. Three, incredibly generous. Like, incredibly generous. God's Word is my authority. I'm going to be actively involved in my church, use my, my gifts for God's glory and the good of others, however I can do that as a part of a church body. And number three, incredibly generous. Like, insanely generous. Now, you guys might think, man, if I had a couple million bucks, I'd be insanely generous, too. Well, it, some of you know it's not always that way. I can remember talking with Lance Berkman during his contract negotiations. And I was like, man, how much money you need? And he goes, well, you, every, every dollar I get, another dollar for the kingdom. And, and then he started telling me about the orphanages he started and the people that were going to read the Bible in different languages because... He was going to support that and, like, just insane amounts of generosity. Don't get me wrong. He's got some nice properties in the hills of Texas, too. But, like, just this over-the-top calling of, like, yeah, God's called us to partner with him to share the Gospels to the end of the earth. And having a conversation with Andy Pettit about pre-tax giving or post-tax giving and listening to their financial advisor talk all about all the different ways. Like, imagine, um, I don't know what y'all's concept of professional athlete is, but a disciple Christian athlete bringing their financial advisor in, and he's laying out the opportunities of how they can invest in the kingdom. Not how they can grow their portfolio, and not a timeshare, and not a private jet, but like, where is God calling you to make him known to the ends of the earth? <clears throat> Pretty powerful 24 or 25 years old. Now, not all of us get to get under the covers with dudes every single day, but Disciples of Christ, um, and the scripture verse associated with that that you guys can scribble down is Second Corinthians 9, 6, like, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Like, I, I saw that. I saw God bless these men, not necessarily with their career, even though both of them had amazing careers, but in their relationships, their children, their wives, like, just the way they were blessed, and just their peace of mind, knowing that they were Faithfully walk into what God had called to him or called him to. So uh, I, there's again not an exhaustive list, but th- these men exemplified being faithful to their wives, um, being actively involved. And Lance used to be almost late for stretch every day because he did carpool. Hey, Lance, like, you wanna, you, we kind of need you to drive in three runs today. You mind getting here early? No, I got to do carpool. Uh, I'll get my swings in when I get there. Uh, crazy, crazy, right? Uh, i saw andy change diapers both these dudes were crazy tough like there's a there's a long list but those three patterns and and paul and paul is trying to remind timothy like hold fast guard the patterns that i've taught you guard them hold fast to them don't lose sight of those patterns and um i think we would do well to ask ourselves how are we doing with those patterns uh and are we following the patterns that have been passed down to us in God's word? Um, and are we doing those faithfully? Now, as he goes on in that verse, he says, with faith and love. And so don't take these patterns. And man, if I nail these patterns, I'm killing it. Because at the end of the day, we don't want to be uh, religious. We don't want to be Pharisees. We want to do these things in love. We don't. We, yes, there's a duty to following Christ. There's a duty to walking with the Lord. But I love how Paul always tells us, Hey, do this, but make sure you're not doing it out of your own flesh, right? Do this in faith and love, 1 Corinthians 13, right? It don't matter if you have faith that could move mountains. If you don't have love, it doesn't matter, right? If you speak in tongues, all these beautiful things, if you don't have love, it doesn't matter. Paul's just reminded Timothy, don't get too lost in the patterns that you forget to love. Don't forget the motive behind that. And some of us need to have, you know, there's nothing wrong with the duty of following the Lord some of us need to develop these healthy patterns before we love them but one of the beautiful things about partnering with God and the things that he's anointed is that when you do you'll fall in love with them. first tithing check I wrote I didn't do it out of love you know what I mean and now I do the Lord has changed my heart out of that now I now I I, I look for ways to partner with the Lord in all different ways but it, boy it started out of duty Oh, that's what God's called me to? Okay. Um, But do them out of faith and love, right? Not um, getting lost in a to-do list, but faith and love. And this is a piece, this next verse, guys, um, to me really, really hits home. Verse 14, guard the good deposit. Here's this phrasing again, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Now, again, you want to talk about churchy terms. The Holy Spirit, like, Okay, how do I do it? Burke, I hear you, these patterns, like, I'm out. You know, some of you guys are right now are scribbling notes. Some of you guys are like, I'm doing pretty good. Some of you guys are like, nope, you already lost me. No way I can do those three things well. And again, it's not just those three things, but like, I don't even know if I, wherever you're at on this, I promise you, you cannot be a Christ-following dude without partnering with the Holy Spirit, without humbling yourself, asking the Holy Spirit to enter in and use you to somehow look more like jesus and maybe maybe model that to someone else in whatever way the lord chooses to use us us to do that and so this concept of with the holy spirit right paul like calls us to he's calling timothy like dude follow the pattern but but make sure you're being holy holy spirit dependent because otherwise you're gonna what you're gonna fail and even if you don't, even if you nail the pattern, but it's not through the power of the Holy Spirit, then our work is in vain. And this concept of being connected to the vine and being Holy Spirit driven is, is the whole deal. Um, in, in, uh, in Romans, Paul talks about, if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. Like if you don't think you can do it, then you're limiting the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you don't think, man, I, just, I don't know about this whole generosity thing, man. Like, I need this money over here, and I got bills to pay over there. Like, you're limiting what the Holy Spirit can do in your life. If you don't think you can share Christ with a coworker, you're limiting the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Where's my man Aaron Johnson? Where's Aaron at? Aaron here this morning? Aaron. There's my man Aaron. He knows what I'm about to say. We had a conversation about six, seven years. He said, I'll never be a table leader. How's that going for you, Aaron? Pretty good? (laughs) Maybe I should ask Chris. But, like, I said, Aaron, how could you say that? Like, you don't think God can use you in that way? And his flesh screamed. I I never would feel comfortable leading a group of men, pointing them to the Lord. But the Holy Spirit worked on his heart, worked on his heart, worked on his heart. He'd been leading the table for, what, five years? Um, And so this concept of, Man, you can't, but God can. The scripture is littered with unschooled, ordinary men that couldn't do it on their own. Paul couldn't do this. Paul Paul hated the believers early, right? What happened? He face to face with the Lord, changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is available to us. So if your tongue's giving you a hard time, or you're you're clinging way too tight to your wallet, or your lust has just got the best of you. Brothers, I'm just telling you, he ain't asking you to do it on your own. He's calling you to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And uh, Paul is reminding Timothy of that. Hey, dude, I know this is scary. I know this is scary what you're doing right now, and I know you feel underqualified, but just remember, the Holy Spirit is with you. And what's so powerful, I talk about, Uh, reading the gospels like when jesus said i've got to go so that's that the spirit can come like like and that's good for you like you talk about mind-blowing like and thank goodness right jesus sent us his spirit for all of us to tap into uh and so i just that verse to me is like what the whole deal's about yeah these patterns are good but man if if you're not doing it through the power of the holy spirit it's either going to be in vain or you're going to fail miserably right and so it's just coming together And talking through that, um, how are we doing, you know, question number one, how are we doing with the, what are the patterns of our life? If somebody was to observe your patterns, what would they be? Question number two would be like, what do I need to submit to in the Holy Spirit to help these patterns become more healthy? Where am I really stubbing my toe and how can I partner with the Holy Spirit to honor God more fully in that? Verse 15, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Now, I've asked some schooled, I'm, I'm an unschooled dude. I've asked some school dudes about these guys, and I've done some research. Like, they don't appear anywhere else, from what I've heard. Sam, if you've got another word on that, please let me know. But they don't appear anywhere else. Here's what I know real quick on these dudes. Don't be known as the dudes that were unfaithful. Don't be that guy, right? Everybody knows that term in locker rooms. Like, don't be that guy. Don't be, don't be these dudes, right? You don't want to be, uh, you don't want to be Hermogenes and Philelus. You don't want to be those dudes. Think about that. For the rest of time, these two dudes are known as being unfaithful. I don't want to be that guy. I, I do not want to be that guy. Um, that's it. That's their line in scripture. They deserted Paul when he was when he was in his toughest moments. They ran off like yeah, maybe Paul wasn't it. And see, that's the problem. Paul isn't it. Right? We're not we're not following dudes. We're following the Lord. And it 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 can be disappointing to us when somebody who is following the Lord falls, but that shouldn't discourage us. It actually should point us to the Lord. Does that make sense? Right? You know, a pastor of a church falls, and next thing you know, the, the church is in shambles. Well, maybe it's a leadership, but the reality is, I, I feel like that shows a lot of people's faith was in that person, as opposed to the person that person's supposed to be pointing you to. Don't put your faith in man. That's going to let you down. It'll disappoint you. I promise you, I'll disappoint you, right? Even, even the great Ronnie Cordray will disappoint you every once in a while. Some of his jokes fall flat. They just do. It just is what it is. <laughs> even he will disappoint you, okay? Okay. Um, but the Lord won't, and 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 if we remember that, we hopefully will not. We will not fall away. Um, but I, lo- I, I I do want to be known as a as a Onesiphorus, and we, we read there wh- what he did for Paul was, stay with me here. He said Paul's Paul's praying that the Lord would show mercy to him. He's reminding Timothy that Onesiphorus refreshed him proverbs 11 25 he refreshes others will himself be refreshed like i want to be known as a dude that refreshes others i fail at that a lot because i'm so stinking tunnel vision and so forgive me if there's dudes in this room that i have failed at that but i want i want to do well in that i want to be an encourager i really do I, i want to to build others up and so as i see my own failings in that I'm 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 trying to hold to that pattern. That's a beautiful pattern to represent in our lives, right? To be one that refreshes others. He sought out Paul. You know, Paul's in some Roman prison. There's a million of them. He sought him out. He found him. He refreshed him. You know, a question to a question to think about. Man, how do we want to be remembered? We want to be by jealous and Hermogenes. We want to be us. So I'm going to close here with. A clip. This is not really my style, so this is cheesy. It was Andy's idea, okay? It's not really my style, but I'm a visual learner, and so I'm, I just want this, this changing gears just a little bit on you guys. We talked about patterns. We talked about how we want to be remembered. We talked about partnering with the Holy Spirit to do that. Th- I don't want to ever shortchange how tough this whole deal is. The world is tempting. It's shiny. It offers a lot. Some of you guys are right in the middle of the world. I'm in an industry that is the height of the world, right? The sports culture. And it's real easy to get caught chasing after that. And if we're honest, we can get diverted. I can be holding one hand over here, reaching out with another hand over there. But the Lord's asking us, the New King James Version of of verse 13, when he says, uh, keep or guard the pattern that you've heard. The New King James Version says, Hold fast, as tight as you can. Hold fast to these patterns. Grip what you know to be true and hold on tight. So this concept of, man, like holding fast. And don't, isn't that what we're here to do? Man, I got your back. I hope you got mine, man. Like when, I'm, when you see me like this, somebody come and whisper my name. Call me by name. Hey, Chris, man. Let that go. You need need to hold a little tighter. Two hands, full grip, hold fast. I'm just telling you, man, that grail looks shiny, and it promises a lot of things. It ain't it. It's just not it. There's a lot of men in here that will testify to that. Can I get an amen? The world is not it, okay? Hold fast to God's word. And we need to be that for each other. We need to be able to call each other out when we see that somebody's got their eyes off of what God's called them to, man. Hold fast to the patterns of God's word. Let's pray. Father God, uh, I just pause and acknowledge you as the giver of every good gift, God. So we just praise you for your word. We praise you for the patterns that are so clearly articulated in your word, God. And I just pray that we, as men who are following you, that we would be known for the pattern of following your word, Lord, of being actively using our gifts to refresh others, God, and that we would be known as generous men with our time, our talent, and our treasure, Lord. Would you show us how we can do that? Holy Spirit, would you enter in and convict us where we are falling short of that? God, for your glory, that we could make you known and your ways known. Help us to hold fast, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.